My name is Lizzie. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from control, fear of man, and pride. I grew up in a Christian household, and my family attended church every Sunday. I heard and understood the gospel, accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and was baptized at the age of nine. While I believe and understood my need for a Savior and the decision I'd made, I didn't understand the weight of my sin or what it meant to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. My parents believed that I would be able to learn about faith, the Bible, and prayer in church, but I wasn't shown what true faith looked like outside of that. We were the family that tried to do everything right and live the Christian life through our actions. I learned how to follow the rules of Christianity, thinking this would earn me acceptance not only from Christ, but also from the church. My craving to be wanted, accepted, and worthy followed me all the way into adulthood. Even as I was in college, I tried to grow closer to Christ, but found myself dissatisfied as my idolization of marriage grew. I started attending Watermark, and as I began to learn what a true abiding relationship with Christ looked like, I saw just how shallow my faith really was. Although I was growing spiritually, I was still single, and my desire for marriage also started to grow. I started to struggle with the unknown of the future and whether or not I would be able, would ever be married. With a sense of feeling out of control, I started to attend regeneration. But after six weeks of groundwork, I came to the conclusion that my struggles with people-pleasing and singleness weren't bad enough for me to need a 12-step recovery program. Shortly after I quit Regen, a friend that I really had no interest in asked me out on a date. Out of my desperation to be married, I reluctantly said yes and thought maybe the physical and emotional attraction would come later. We discussed physical boundaries early in our relationship, and I made it clear I did not want to have sex until marriage. But a month later, daydreaming about our future marriage, I found myself in bed with him. At the time, I told myself it was consensual, but deep down, I knew that I really wasn't okay with it. Afterward, he convinced me that it was all my fault and that I secretly did want it. He made sure to point out the chances I had to leave, but admitted the part where he physically prevented me from getting up and the times I told him to stop. I believed these lies and, at the time, had no idea that coercion was actually rape. Honestly, even if I'd known it was rape at the time, I wouldn't have wanted to accept it. I buried all those thoughts because I wanted marriage. And now that I lost my virginity to this man, I believed I had to make it work. I started to drift further away from Christ and numbed my pain by binging Netflix to escape reality. When I finally told my community group about the physical boundaries crossed, I initially felt like I was met with no grace and only judgment. My community group was the only group of women that I did life with. We met weekly to love and encourage each other as well as to admonish and speak godly counsel into each other's lives. After I told them about crossing physical boundaries and hearing their response, I started to think that I was alone and that I was meant to be isolated from those who knew better. That belief led me to hide the extent of what was going on, not only in the relationship, but in my heart as well. After six months of dating, my boyfriend proposed. I remember the first word that came to my mind was no, but I quickly dismissed it because I was finally going to be married. However, I gradually became depressed wanting nothing but to feel accepted and loved from a broken man incapable of giving those things to me because of his own sin. After a month before, or about a month before our wedding, both of our community groups were so concerned about our relationship that they asked church leadership for help intervening before we got married. 
I was mortified and was even more angry that the girls I had trusted in the most throughout the relationship had also supported the intervention. I felt completely exposed, vulnerable, and angry that the sins I felt most ashamed of were aired out and made known to those I'd been hiding, from, hiding them from. Because I was blinded by my own sin and the broken trust from the way my community navigated bringing their concerns to me, I could not see that their counsel to call off my wedding was actually the most loving thing they could have done. Although I felt blindsided and hurt, my fiance was not. I had no idea that his community had been asking him to consider calling off our engagement for some time. He decided that because his friends said they wouldn't be at the wedding, we should postpone or call it off. I was heartbroken to hear that the reason why he was calling it off was not to work on his sins and addictions, but rather to please people. It was that moment that I realized he did not truly care for me, and I did not truly love him. I loved the idea of marriage. I wanted to feel loved, cared for, and protected, but I tried finding all of that in a man instead of God, which left me depressed and wrestling with thoughts of suicide. After a month of laying in my dark room, staring at the ceiling, I decided I needed, change. I needed to change and start, started seeking help. I found myself back at Regeneration. I remember walking into the auditorium and wanting nothing to do with anyone. I just wanted to get through the night and retreat back into my dark room. But when I went to groundwork and sat in the week one circle, I found myself listening to the women around me and realizing that there were other women who were hurt and broken. When it was finally my turn to share, I realized I didn't want to share what happened because it meant I had to acknowledge my reality. I started crying before I even said a word, but eventually voiced my reason for being there was a broken engagement. For the first time, I was fully honest about what my relationship really looked like. I was finally able to share not only the facts of what happened, but also how I felt. I was mad at everyone and everything, but I also felt incredibly sad and alone. I didn't trust anyone, but I desperately wanted to feel loved. The enemy did an excellent job in convincing me that I was alone and no one understood my pain. He flooded my mind with so many lies. I desperately wanted God's forgiveness, but I didn't believe I was worth it. I knew that there was nothing I could do to earn it, no way to make up for my past actions. I fell into even more despair because I felt the full weight of my sin, but I did not understand God's grace. I grew up in a world thinking everything had a price, everything had a consequence, and if I wronged someone, then that relationship was lost forever. Would God really take me back after I walked away from him? I desperately wanted answers, so I opened my Bible and flipped to the book of Romans. Chapter five was labeled peace and hope. The verse that really impacted me was Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I instantly thought, while I was still sleeping with my ex-fiance, Christ died for me. God knew that I, what I was going to do and he sent his son to die for my sins because he loved me. As I went through groundwork, another verse that reassured me of God's pursuit from my heart was Titus 3, 4 through 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. God saw my depressed, broken, impure, lustful, controlling self and said, her, I want to save her. 
I want to take her and make her perfect, beautiful, and new by sending my son to pay for her sins. God used Regen to show me that I had a warped view of who he is and therefore who I am. While I had been living thinking that I had to pay the price for my sin, I hadn't fully accepted the price Jesus paid for me on the cross. I no longer have to live in guilt or shame from my past because God has forgiven me with no strings attached, just the genuine gift of Christ. I now get the privilege I now get the privilege to serve in the ministry that helps point me to Christ. And what is even more special is I get to serve in groundwork every week alongside my husband, EJ, who God, in his kindness, brought me, to, brought me as a true leader and partner in ministry. We got married this past February, and we are expecting our first child together this November. <laughs>